Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast with Mike Tagliere and I'm Bobby Sylvester. Tags that beat you on draft.com this weekend and Sammy Watkins pulled within three points on the season to Amari Cooper. It was a good weekend, buddy. Oh God, I haven't, I didn't even look at the draft thing. Like honestly, like my week was ruined when Devonta Freeman went down and it was funny because I, I, I tweeted out something saying rip my DFS lineups. And I had a few people reach out to me. They're like, Mike, I listened to the DFS show and your advice was good. Like, I don't know if you didn't play your own players, yeah. but <laughs> I decided to take a look after that. My cash lineups actually carried me through. My tournament teams were just trash, like so bad. It was, it was a weird week in the NFL. I feel like most people's quarterback rankings could have been flipped upside down and they probably would have been better than they were. Uh, with the way that people ranked them in uh, in week 10. It was ugly, man. It was a really rough week. Um, anyway, our guest today is Justin Boone of thescore.com. He's always one of the most accurate experts in our expert accuracy competition, and you can easily find him on Twitter at Justin Boone. Hey, Justin, how's it going? It's going great, and I can totally agree with you guys on these strange weeks that we keep having, but I'm starting to wonder whether part of it is just the way the NFL is now. So many mm-hmm. backfields or, or committees are getting so many guys involved. Even the receiving cores, we're seeing more and more receivers get involved, and you know, guys like Julio and stuff just aren't putting up those huge 150, 200-yard games. So it seems like every single week we're saying this, where it seems really frustrating <laughs> yeah. and, and even harder to predict this year. And then we've got mediocre quarterbacks like Jared Goff, who, I mean, I watched the game like it's he's not throwing like these perfect passes into tight holes like, you know, the Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, but he's in a system where he's throwing the ball like five yards downfield and the guy's going for 90 yard touchdowns. I'm just getting sick of this, man. DFS was torture <laughs> for a lot of people this week. I mean, everyone who should have done well from Le'Veon Bell and Leonard Fournette to Jack Doyle and Josh McCown. They didn't. They didn't do well. And the worst part of the weekend, at least for fantasy teams with Jacksonville's defense, was watching them score on a special teams fake punt and not having it count. Another touchdown called back on a questionable review and then getting to the two yard line on a 60 yard interception return in overtime. They were inches from having 25 fantasy points. again. <laughs> they were close. And Bobby and I had a disagreement about this over the weekend uh, yesterday in our Slack chat. We're going back and forth. And Bobby's yelling at me saying that uh, basically it should count for a special teams touchdown. I'm trying to explain to Bobby that when you go on the field for fourth down, it's still an offensive snap. You could do whatever you want. The punter can throw the ball. So therefore, he's back there as essentially a quarterback, but he's going to punt it most of the time. So until that ball is punted, it's an offensive snap, which is why it didn't count towards special teams. But Bobby continued to argue with me to tell me that uh, I was wrong. So I, I would love to hear everybody's thoughts on this. Hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Mike Taglier NFL and Bobby's at Bobby Fantasy Pro. Uh, yeah, Justin, what's your take on this, man? Yeah, you tell us what you think. I mean, special teams players, special teams coaches play, practice during special teams practice. The defense had their special teams unit on the field. This is special teams as it gets, right? I think the the letter of the law right now, I think it is an offensive play. But I agree with you, Bobby, that it should be a special teams play. It, it definitely should be. You're putting your, you know, the which coach is going to take over in that situation? It's going to be the special teams coach who is coaching up that punt team. So it should count, but you cannot be greedy as a Jaguars defense over this year. Come on. They have Give me the points, almost baby. every single week. I started Bilal Powell in a bunch of leagues this week. I need all the points I can get. I think a lot of people are nursing wounds after starting Bilal Powell this week for sure. I, I don't think I'll ever do it again. I would just rather like start some bomb. Like, I don't know. Whoever the Corey Clement of Corey Clement's not a bum. I mean, he's playing in the NFL and he's probably a great dude and everything. But, you know, some third string, fourth string running back who has a chance to get three touchdowns rather than Bilal Powell, who's never going to get any carries. 
<laughs> yeah, no, it's it's it was a really rough week in, in the NFL. I mean, there was a lot of there were some chalk players that went off like AJ Green did what he was supposed to. But going like back to the studs, like, you know how we, Justin, you mentioned like the Julios, they're not going off for the 150 yards, 200 yards. But I started writing up like I started going through the games uh, for this week. And Antonio Brown, if he doesn't go for 100 yards in a touchdown, if not two touchdowns this week, I give up playing fantasy football. Like I, I will I will legitimately give up. He plays uh, <laughs> he plays on Thursday night at home against the Titans secondary that just allowed AJ Green and Brandon LaFell to go nuts. Um, like seriously, this this if you're playing Thursday night DFS, you you have to have Antonio Brown in your lineup. Yeah, and Travis Kelsey this week, that's like the easiest pick ever. You don't even need to look at any <laughs> other tight end. <laughs> it seems like a Garrett Selleck is my dude. Like that guy is awesome. And Bobby, I'm sure you've seen the the interview after the game where they said, you know, about your long touchdown catch. And he said, well, I heard I was a fantasy sleeper. So I had to come through for my owners. I, saw I, that. <laughs> I was so happy because I had Garrett Selleck in like 90% of my DFS lineups. Yeah, man. Got to root for those guys. Let's talk about injuries. Um, Devontae Freeman went to the locker room after a hit from, uh, from Anthony Hitchens. Uh, he was questionable to return. They ruled him out. I don't know if he's going to be in uh, concussion protocol or is he in concussion protocol right now, Tex? They're saying that he is uh, almost automatically out already for this week. And I think the reason it comes back to is because the Panthers, when they played them back in week nine, I want to say, who was it on the Panthers? Someone tweeted out saying that Devonta Freeman, and it's a player on the defense. He said Devonta Freeman wasn't just concussed now. He was concussed in the game against against them and that he didn't get pulled from the game. And he said that he hopes the best for Devonta Freeman's health. And now there's news coming out today that this game is not going to be played until Monday night with the Falcons and that Devonta Freeman is almost already ruled out. So that's a scary thing. It seems like it's a very touchy situation. So I would definitely plan to be without uh, Devonta Freeman this week. And Justin, for the rest of the season, where does Tevin Coleman rank for you? Like, is he an RB1 now? Because he's going to be a workhorse with Freeman out, right? Concussions have been really hard to predict, right? Sometimes you have guys like CJ Fedorowicz, who's out for, you know, eight weeks, IR. 10 weeks, yeah. uh, put on IR. Yeah, like, you know, and, and he's back now, but guys that are out for months with a concussion, and then we have some guys that somehow make it back within a week. So it's a it's a tricky injury to predict. Uh, but for as long as Freeman's out, and, and we've talked about this, I think even the last time I was on with you guys earlier in the season, we talked about this. Tevin Coleman is right up there with the Derrick Henrys as a guy who is a, a yes, league winner, is. a potential league winner if that starter is out. And now we're going to get to see what he can do. Um, you know, they're still going to work in. He's not going to get all of the carries. They're still going to work in Teron Ward, probably, which they did on the weekend. Um, but Coleman now moves into that RB1 territory in a year where there's not a ton of guys that are getting those kind of a workloads, those 20, you know, 20 plus touches a week. Um, and now he's set up to get that. So, um, you know, I'm looking at him for sure as a, a top 10 play this week. Um, and for as long as Freeman's out and obviously we want Freeman to get back, uh, you know, we, you know, hopefully that happens soon. Um, but Agreed. hopefully he also takes enough time to right. get back and, and get right and doesn't rush himself back so that he can, because, you know, there's two sides of this. There's the people that have Tevin Coleman on their team that have been waiting for, Devonta, uh, no, Devonta Freeman to go down. And then there's also the Devonta Freeman owners who are probably in a decent spot and getting ready for the playoffs. And now they've just lost their RB1, um, you know, and it didn't necessarily hand He's been struggling anyway. He's getting like 10 carries a week. Yeah, well, and where you drafted those guys, you don't necessarily have them both. It's not necessarily an obvious handcuff situation. So um, if, if you have Coleman, they'll definitely get him in your lineup as a, an RB1 and a, a safe RB1 this week. 
Absolutely. Yeah, so we had a few other injuries. Will Fuller out with a rib injury. Rob Kelly with a knee slash ankle injury. Not really sure what was going on there. And it looks like P. Ryan's going to get another chance uh, sprinkled yeah. in with Chris Thompson, obviously. Yeah, no, Bobby, I'll let you know. Just I, That broke actually just like not long ago where they said Rob Kelly has a high ankle sprain and an MCL sprain. So he's going to miss. probably done for the year. I, I would say he's at least out two to four weeks uh, for running backs. That's a really bad injury to have. So Samaj P. Ryan, I'm sure we're going to talk about him today. But yep, that's I definitely guess we an have ad. to but I don't oh, yeah. really care to <laughs> talk about him. Um, and then the other injuries we need to talk about here, Aaron Jones, uh, he hurt his knee a little bit, and then Ty Montgomery re-aggravated his ribs. Um, Justin, what are you seeing with this Packers backfield? Like, Do you think these guys are going to be out for a while? Is this the Jamal Williams show now, or are they going to scrape together some uh, some snaps and just be another split backfield situation? Well, this was already a scary backfield heading into this week when we thought it was going to be Aaron Jones and Ty Montgomery splitting. You know, a couple of weeks ago when it seemed like Aaron Jones was coming on, it looked like, all right, we finally have a guy, potentially another one of those RB1s to get going. Um, didn't didn't work out like that. And now we're looking at a situation where not only did Aaron Jones go down, Montgomery also goes down. Aaron Jones is going to be out, uh, last I saw today, three to six weeks, I believe, yep. he's going to be sidelined. So that puts you right in, you know, fantasy playoffs. And already, like I just mentioned, he was splitting touches. So it wasn't like he was an automatic fantasy start to begin with. Uh, Montgomery's injury, I haven't seen much on it today. Um, so we'll have to keep an eye out for practice reports. But it seems like he's got another rib injury, maybe re-aggravated the one he had. Um, so it wouldn't be shocking to see him miss at least a week, maybe a couple weeks. And I don't know if you guys want to get right into to Jamal Williams now, but let's uh, do Jamal it. Williams, yeah, he's my number Jamal one Williams pick of the week is going to be the starter. But we're, we're talking about a couple guys this week. You know, uh, P. Ryan, who you just mentioned, Jamal Williams, guys who I don't think are great talents. And, and Bobby, you said earlier, anybody who makes the NFL, obviously, they're an excellent football player. We're not disparaging that whatsoever. Of but course. Yeah. When you're talking when we're looking at fantasy, you want as much elite talent on your team as you could possibly get. And, you know. I think we saw some things from Aaron Jones uh, to suggest that, you know, maybe moving forward next year when Rodgers is back, he could be an elite talent. Um, even Ty Montgomery, he can't stay healthy, but he's done some things when he's on the field that you can be confident in him as a fantasy starter. Jamal Williams hasn't. Going back to the, the preseason, he's, he had the chance. He got drafted before Aaron Jones did. They put him into that number two role. I was somebody that in the preseason, heading into the preseason, was really excited about him because I figured that Montgomery probably wasn't going to be able to stay healthy all year, and he hasn't. Uh, and I thought Williams would get the first chance to get that job, but he really fell on his face in the preseason. He he didn't get much going. He hasn't been able to, to break big plays. Um, and we saw the same when he got into the game this week. You know, 20 carries for 67 yards. He had one one catch for seven yards. Those aren't great numbers. Those aren't numbers that you can really get excited about. It turns him into someone who you're hoping that he falls into the end zone. You're hoping that he gets a touchdown. And in an offense led by Brett Hundley, it's not nearly as exciting. So while I have him high uh, this week, uh, I have him as my number two pickup this week. It's mostly it's mostly as a guy who I think uh, can come in and just give you serviceable numbers. I don't think there's any there's not many people like an uh, Alex Collins or an Orleans Darkwa. Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe even slightly below that, but that kind of production. He's not going to jump up into the RB one 
range in my mind, um, just because we, we haven't seen it from. I, I would be stunned to see him deliver those kind of numbers. But but Mike, I'm, I'm curious what you guys think as well. Uh, yeah. So Jamal Williams, I'm actually a fan of his talent. I think he is. Me too. He is. He, I think he's talented. I think he's a really hard worker. But this is you, I, you mentioned it in your piece there is that you said it's a Brett Hundley led offense. It's not an Aaron Rodgers offense yeah. anymore. And that's the thing. The reason that we were attacking Jamal Williams or Aaron Jones in the preseason is because we wanted the running back attached to this high scoring offense. This is an offense that's struggling to score 20 points a game. Like let's the Bears defense defense is not anything close to what it was supposed to be to start the year. They've had, I want to say they've lost three starters on their defense and they were all to the front seven. So it's not the same defense they're used to fielding. Now, Jamal Williams, 20 carries, 67 yards. It wasn't anything ideal. But when you go through and look at Ty Montgomery this year, when you look at Aaron Jones this year, outside of like one game apiece where they broke a few long runs, they haven't really been much either. So I just think it's this, this entire team, the offensive offensive line, line, they lost Brian Bulaga for the year. Like there's so much going on here and you want a running back tied to a high like a you want a high volume running back for sure but you want a high scoring offense attached to him as well the problem with Jamal Williams the reason that I don't have him as a top two pickup this week is because we know he's going to get the start this week and it's against the Ravens the Ravens with Brandon Williams back on their defensive line are a different Ravens team they're the one that we remember last year over the last two weeks that they've played or two games I should say because they had their bye They've only allowed 90 rushing yards on 36 carries. And that was to DeMarco Murray, Derrick Henry, and Jay Ajayi. So it wasn't like they were playing bums, like it was Frank Gore or something like that. This is a tough matchup. I, I, I'm with you. He, I mean, because of the volume he's getting, he's going to be in that low-end RB2, high-end RB3 conversation, but he's going to be extremely boring for a fantasy team this week. So I'm not going to go out of my way to snag him because he's just not part of an offense that I really want to attach my, my fantasy dreams to. And that's what I was trying to say. You know, as much as I have him as one of my higher pickups, he's not a guy that I'm going out and spending a ton of fob to right. try to get. I'm not using that number one waiver wire priority to try to get him. Williams is a guy who he can do everything well, right? And and he he's a he's a solid runner. He he can catch passes and he's good at pass protection as well. Um, but he doesn't really stand out to me in any of those areas. And I don't see him stepping in and having that, you know, 150 yard game or something. And at, at this point in the year, that, that's what I want. And, you know, the, we're dealing with injuries at this point in the year as well, right? We talked about before the Devonta Freeman owner is probably going to be looking for someone to throw in there. And that's where I think these guys like Williams or Pirine could step in in a, a desperate situation. You need someone to throw in there, but the they're not going to give you the the upside that you could get uh, from from some other guys from from some stashes. So it depends the situation of your fantasy team at this point in the year. It really depends on what you're looking at. We're trying to go sort of you know a, a blanket uh, approach here where we're covering everyone, um, but you know we're gonna we're gonna see. And I don't I don't think you're gonna get uh, huge production from Williams this week or, or going forward. I I disagree with you guys. Um, I would spend. Every single fab dollar I have to get Williams, I think that he is, uh, I won't say exceptionally talented, but quite talented. I think he's a a very talented running back. Uh, I think Brent Hundley is a lot better than people are giving him credit for. Uh, if you look at his stats, I mean, Chicago has been shutting people down this season. They have a pretty good defense. That's why, you know, they're, they've actually been competent this year. I think Hundley has been playing fine lately. I mean, of course, he's not Aaron Rodgers or anything, but we're not talking about a P run who's going to get maybe eight to 12 carries in a game. If Aaron Jones and Ty Montgomery are out, Jamal Williams is going to get 20 touches per game. If you're saving all your money, I don't know what you're saving it for. This is your last chance to get someone like that. 
I just disagree on the Brett Hundley thing. I don't think he's competent. He has one touchdown in his last three games. I mean, they've they've dialed back the offense, and they, the reason they've been able to do that is because it's been games where teams haven't really pulled away, and they've just blown them out like they should. Um, and that's the thing. That's why he's going to get those carries. I just don't think they're very valuable. Brett Hundley, like, don't let one quarter of play skew your memory of Brett Hundley because, yes, he had a good fourth quarter against the Bears, and everybody's talking about that pass to Devontae Adams. What I saw on that pass was Devontae Adams make an adjustment while that ball was in the air to catch it on his back shoulder. I don't think Brett Hundley's as accurate as people think that he's going to throw the ball 20-something yards in the air onto a back shoulder of Devontae Adams. This is a guy who has, I think, three, two touchdown passes and five interceptions in his career. So I'm not going gaga for Brett Hundley. Um, again, I just this offense is going to be very unpredictable. The, the offensive line is not very good. I would rather take all my hopes and dreams and put them into Rod Smith. He is like a guy He's your number one pickup? I feel like you should spend a lot of money, uh, your fab budget, and if you're looking for a high, like this is a potential league winner that we're talking about because Really? He outs he outsnapped Alfred Morris 39 to 23 or 21. Um, most people don't know that. D- uh, Darren McFadden played one snap. This Dallas team has no receivers outside of Des Bryant. Uh, they need a pass-catching running back. Alfred Morris doesn't get it done. I'm sorry. This is not the offensive line that it was in Dallas for the last few years. He's not going to run for 100 yards every game. Their defense is bad. It puts them in a bad situation. Rod Smith is a potential league winner. We've heard people talking about it behind the scenes, saying that the Cowboys really like Rod Smith, that they want to give him out opportunities. I wasn't buying in until I saw him actually take snaps this week. He looked good. I think Rod Smith is the ultimate. I think he's the ultimate high upside pick up off the waiver wire. And that's the thing. It's just, it, and I think that Justin said it best is that, you know, we're looking, it depends on your team, right? If you're looking for someone, you just need one week replacement. Jamal Williams, probably your guy. But if you're looking for someone like a bench stash that you're hoping that can potentially help you win a fantasy championship, I think Rod Smith is the guy I would rather grab. I mean, yeah, he played a lot of snaps because they were losing. He played 100% of the passing snaps. But Morris played like, what, 70% of the first and second down snaps? What What's Smith's ceiling? Like, are you ever comfortable starting Smith? If Alfred Morris continues to go out there and plays mediocre football, they're going to go to Rod Smith on first and second down, too. Like they're okay. not, they're not going to be shy. They want a workhorse running back. Think about it. When has Dallas ever done a timeshare? Did it work last week? No, they want someone to carry the load, which is why I wanted to know who it was, McFadden or Smith. And after that game, I feel more than confident saying it's Smith. McF- McFadden's definitely droppable, but Smith is the guy that I think they want to win the job. And Alfred Morris is just a guy. There's, you know, he was a guy that was entering his prime as a running back, as a free agent. He didn't garner much interest. He's been sitting on the bench for a couple years. I just I don't think that the Cowboys defense is good enough for them to to run the ball as much as people think they they can. So um, Alfred Morris is not Ezekiel Elliott. Was Rod Smith drafted? Uh, Rod Smith. I don't I think he was an undrafted free agent. OK, so Alfred Morris rushes for sixteen hundred yards as a rookie, a thousand yards each in the next two years. And he's a guy. But Rod Smith, who's not drafted, he's not a guy. He's really good. Well, Arian Foster was undrafted, too. OK. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, I, mean, I that's watched Rod Smith play. He looks really good. I'm just saying, I don't think Alfred Morris is a guy, man. I think he's solid. Justin, what's your take on Alfred Morris? We're also talking about where they are in their careers right now. That's true. That's true. Yeah. And, you know, Morris Morris coming into the league maybe had a little more pop in his step. Uh, right now, just looking at the eye test, I think you can see that Rod Smith is the one that, that has the pop. Rod Smith is the one 
who seems like maybe he can make some plays and, and get downfield. And, you know, one thing that I, I feel like's glossed over a little bit is that, that Tyron Smith was out last week, too. So that that really kills that offense completely. We saw all the sacks that they gave up. We saw the running game not be as, as strong. So perhaps if Tyron Smith gets back into that lineup, maybe that improves the running game. Maybe Morris can do something. I, I do still think they're going to go to Morris next week. I don't think that Rod Smith is going to take over, but I completely agree with Tag. He's your number one. If there's a guy in this backfield, he is not my number one. No, I have met number four, but he's a guy. And once again, talking about where you are with your team, he's a guy looking towards the fantasy playoffs. He's a guy that could win you a league. He's they're, they're going to give him a chance in my mind. I think they are going to give him a chance and we'll see if he can do anything with it. But with Tyron Smith back in that offensive line, that will help them. Uh, whether that helps Alfred Morris then step up and do something next week, we'll see. Um, but I don't think Morris has that much going for him. It was a pretty disappointing performance. He really gained all of his yards on on one drive, really. I think he had yeah. 40-something of his 50-something yards on one drive, which uh, was a, you know, pretty disappointing. Um, and, you know, the, the Eagles are another tough matchup. And if Morris struggles again, I think we're going to see them start to work Smith in some more. And like I said, looking at the fantasy playoffs where they have some really good matchups, the Giants who have completely given up on the season, it seems like, and, and the Raiders who are, are not good against the run game. Those are weeks 14 and 15 for the, the Cowboys. So a good call. if you can make sure that you have that Cowboys running back in those fantasy playoffs, those first two weeks, it really could pay dividends, and I think Rod Smith is going to be the guy, not Alfred Morris, that has a better chance, at least, of erupting and of being that fantasy starter for you later in the season. So you've got him number four. I've got him number five. Tags has him number one. Tags, how much are you willing to spend on him? Uh, Rod Smith, I mean, I don't think you need to spend more than 15%. Uh, percent. Okay. Uh, and the, the reason I say that is because there's a lot of people who don't pay attention as much as like we do. Like, like, like you know how you scoffed at it, it, picking up Rod Smith is talking about it, though, and learning about the snap counts, knowing that Alfred Morris, even if you look at the splits with, with and without Robert Griffin III, he really struggled without an option quarterback. This goes back to even, you know, in his time, in his prime, uh, he really struggled without Robert Robert Griffin that was like something that I always noticed but nobody seemed to know um, but Rod Smith knowing the snaps knowing the defense knowing that Philadelphia I, you Justin you hit it on the head man Philadelphia has allowed one running back this year to run for more than 38 yards against them like that's ridiculous we're, we're, we're going into week 11 and one running back has run for more than 38 yards Alfred Morris is in a, in a position to fail again uh, uh, this this week so it could be another Rod Smith opportunity and if, if that happens again going forward I just think that he's the higher upside play and I also think that Rex Burkhead could be in the conversation to be picked up over Jamal Williams really okay yeah I've got and that's who I, that's who I have that's my number one this week is Rex Burkhead. Wow. Okay. I want to hear this, but before you tell me about it, I want to tell you about the sponsor of today's show, Lisa Mattress. This weekend, my toddler had some trouble sleeping back-to-back nights, and as a parent, I'm sure you know how that goes. I ended up in his bed for the majority of the time and didn't sleep very well. I woke up this morning sore all over and realized if I'd been sleeping on my Lisa Mattress, I'd still be feeling great. It really is the most comfortable bed I've ever slept in, and America agrees because Lisa was the fastest growing e-realtor in 2015 when everyone found out how comfortable their mattresses were, told their friends and family, 
You can try it out for yourself because they offer everyone 100 nights risk-free and with free shipping. We've got a promo code for you. If you want to save $100 off your order, just go to lisa.com slash fantasypros. That's lisa, L-E-E-S-A dot com slash fantasypros for $100 off your mattress order. All right, break it down, Justin. How much are you willing to spend on him, too? All right, uh, a big thing for me, I, I would spend big on him. I would spend 50-plus percent of my, my fab budget. Wow. I would use my number one waiver wire priority to get Rex Burkhead. And, and here's why. We saw something huge this week, and that was Mike Gillisley inactive, yeah. right? That, that's the, been the big thing. When they're trotting out all four of those guys, it really makes it tough, one, to predict, but it also makes it tough for any of them to get enough snaps to be completely fantasy relevant. We saw Deion Lewis step up. He scored one week. You know, early in the season, Gillisley obviously had those touchdowns, but he's done nothing since. Um, and so now we're looking at Rex Burkhead coming back, healthy, them coming off a bye, and Burkhead gives them, you know, one of the big things that I think Belichick wants to be able to do is to disguise what they're doing. And Gillisley doesn't really give them that option, but all three of the backs that they're playing now do, and Burkhead gives them the best opportunity to do that because he's an excellent runner, he can pound it, he's a good receiver, he's He's just such a good football player, too. We saw him making special teams plays, and we know the Patriots fall in love with those guys. Now, that doesn't mean I'm completely out on Deion Lewis. I still think Deion Lewis has some value as well. I think Deion Lewis busts a lot of big plays, and Lewis is a guy that I would want on my real-life football team yeah. as well. I think that was a, a great signing by the Patriots a couple years ago. Uh, but with Gillisley as a healthy scratch, you know, now it, we know the Patriots are going to produce points, and... You know, in, in certain matchups, you know, coming up, they have Oakland, they have Miami twice, they have Buffalo twice. We just saw the Bills get destroyed by the run against the Saints. Um, you know, those are all winnable games where they are going to be able to lean on the run, um, you know, whether it's, you know, high percentage plays throwing to their backs out of the backfield or handoffs. Um, so I think there's going to be a lot of production from that backfield. Um, I, I think Burkhead is a guy who could step up. I think Burkhead is a guy who could become a league winner here uh, and emerge as the, the best back there um, with Lewis still, you know, factoring in. He outsnapped Lewis this week, 36 to 21, yeah. which once again, another huge sign. Um, so, you know, the only thing you could be scared about is going into that matchup. Maybe the Patriots looked at it and decided we are not going to be able to run as well on Denver. Right. And, you know, that for that reason, they made Gillisley inactive. Maybe they went to Gillisley and told him that or something. It's possible. But looking at it, you know, the assumption of rational coaching and all that, you know, Sigmund Bloom's always big on that. The assumption of rational coaching right now is that they are going to go with Burkhead, with Lewis, and with White a little bit. But White is probably going to take a little more of a back seat now because those other two guys are the best playmakers on that team now, in my opinion. I was going to say, so listen to this. So since week four, these, this is James White's snap percentage since week four. James White played 61% of the snaps in week four, then 47%, 43%, 31%, 23%, and it bottomed out this week at 16%. That No, no. And that's the thing is like, I actually thought about, you know, the idea that they made, okay, maybe we're not going to be able to run the ball against Denver. Is that why they made him inactive? But the fact that James White played 11 snaps tells me the exact opposite. It, it, it's that they're they're moving in a little bit different of a direction. I think it does help uh, Rex Burkhead that Chris Hogan has been out for a little bit. And like that's that's obviously going to help him line up as a wide receiver a little more. I think that's why he has seen 10 targets in the last two weeks. But I mean, when you're talking about a player like that you're picking up at this time 
of the year. You're just hoping for potential upside. And knowing that Rex Burkhead led the team in snaps this week is, is pretty massive. So at the chance that that takes place, I, I mean, again, we want running backs attached to those, the, you know, those high scoring offenses. And we know that the Patriots are that. So that's why I think Burkhead's a, a strong pickup. Hey, remember last week I brought up Burkhead over Danny Woodhead and you said that I was wrong. Do you, you still like Bur- you like Burkhead more than Woodhead now, right? I actually have Woodhead higher. I you think do? Woodhead is okay. going to be a little bit. I just have Woodhead a little. I think he's a little more predictable. Um, I have Smith number one. I have Woodhead number two. Burkhead three, Jamal Williams four, and then P Ryan fifth. Um, but the reason I have Woodhead there, I just like I said, it goes back to a little bit of safety and what you're looking for in your team. If you're looking for an every week flex player, I think Danny Woodhead can fill that role. I think you know, looking at Buck Allen and what he's done this year, he's been a, a sufficient flex for the majority of the time. The only times he's not is just like in weird scenarios where it's like you could just tell they don't want to put him on the field. Danny Woodhead, it's a little concerning. I will say this. If I hear that Danny Woodhead is, I mean, by the time waivers run, like, because you have until Tuesday night to put in your waivers. If I hear that Danny Woodhead says he may not play, you know, he doesn't know for sure if he's going to play week 11, I'm dropping him. Like, I'm dropping him down below Jamal Williams, maybe even below Samaje Ryan, because if he's not ready to return after all this time that he's missed, I'm never going to trust him in my lineup. So there is some risk there. So I do want to find out more about Woodhead because okay. he, did, he said there's a potential chance that he knows it's a process and that he may not be active for week 11. If that's the case, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I, I was assuming that Woodhead would come back and be ready to jump on the field. And if he's not, then yeah, I'm definitely moving them down my list. You know, uh, I think this is going to make a lot of people mad. I want to go back to the Patriots really quick. Um, I think Bill Belichick might be the most underrated coach in all of sports. You look at what he's done. First of all, he has changed the game of football. He won with defense. He won with two tight ends, one of which he used as a running back. He won with a deep passing game. He won passing it to a bunch of, you know, Danny Amendola types. He's winning passing it to running backs. He he wins every single way. It's incredible what's going on. Yeah, he's the best. No matter how good you think that Bill Belichick is, he's better than that. Like he is the best coach. Coaching matters a hundred percent in football. Other sports you could do without managers, coaches, and stuff like that. Like just look at Sean McVay and Jeff Fisher. Yeah, they're they're an, yeah, that's <laughs> it's true. Like you look at what he's done with that team, but that's what I'm saying is coaching so matters in the NFL. And Bill Belichick is he's special. He's hacking the game. Really, he's looking. Where can we win? Where can we find an advantage? You know, the two tight end approach that he was one of the first to jump on that or really try to take advantage of two great receiving tight ends. Um, You know, now you look at the field and you go, where can we get an obvious advantage? And if you have really skilled pass catching running backs who are going up against linebackers a lot of the time, that's a matchup that you're going to win most of the time. So it's really smart. And being a Bills fan, it has been awful to have to watch the Patriots be this good for as long as they have been. But you have to have all the respect in the world for Belichick. He is by far the best coach that the NFL has ever seen. I saw that uh, ESPN's 30 for 30, which they always have these great documentaries, right? They're doing one on the two Bills. Bill Belichick and Bill Parcells, and I'm really excited for it. Like more excited than I've been for any 30 for 30 ever, maybe. What's funny is that Bill Belichick is one of the most boring people like ever. Like he's just like, he's like <laughs> such like a guy's guy, um, but he he has no time for nonsense. Like if you ask him a stupid question, he'll say it's a that. stupid question. I don't want to. Yeah, like he's he's just like that guy's guy. I don't know how else to explain it, but he's a very boring guy. Uh, I just I can totally appreciate what he does in terms of a coach. And, you know, even, you know, with Matt Castle coming in to take over for Tom Brady when he went down that year and like seeing them, 
go on. I think they won 12 games that year. It's just it's ridiculous what they do year in, year out. So, guys, before we continue, I want to take a moment to tell you about the other sponsor of today's show, SeatGeek. I've got the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it is by far the easiest way I found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere and with just a few taps can instantly find seats. I took a look at SeatGeek's app this weekend to get my hands on some Grizzlies tickets for basketball to take my boys. They really want to go see an NBA game and uh, Memphis is the closest I can get to that. I mean, I guess I could go up to Chicago, but I try to avoid Chicago. Sorry, tags. But SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find those amazing deals that you're always looking for. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. Best of all, our listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code FANTASYPROS today. That's promo code FANTASYPROS, all one word, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Download the app today. All right, guys, uh, let's get back into the waiver wire discussion. I still haven't talked about my number two and number three, and it makes me nervous that you guys haven't mentioned them yet because maybe I'm missing something here. But Corey Coleman's coming back. He's going to find his way into a ton of targets, right? Oh, I was commenting on running backs when I was going through my list. But Corey okay, Coleman so is- where, where do you have Corey Coleman? I've got him number two. I'd spend 15 bucks on him. I mean, when he comes back, he he's the only guy that I think you can guarantee is going to be a start virtually every single week at wide receiver. I have him at number four. Um, I mean, it's I, I do think he's worthy of a pickup, but my concern is that um, Deshaun Kaiser has regressed as a quarterback as the season's gone on. Like I have zero confidence with a wide receiver catching passes from him. Like I said, it's just, it's so hit or miss. And it's not to say that Coleman, it, that the wide receivers don't play into that a little bit, but even the touchdown pass he had this past week, it was just an out. It was right. It was an out to Kenny Britt and Kenny Britt's the one who made it happen after the catch. Deshaun Kaiser is just not very good. And now he's got a rib injury. I'm, I'm a little concerned there, but again, Corey Coleman is my number two wide receiver pickup. Um, I, I have Josh Doxson higher still. Okay. Um, just just because I think Doxon's ran into a couple tough matchups and it's skewed kind of yeah. like the, the the view on him. But um, I do think uh, Corey Coleman is a solid pickup, though. Justin, who do you have as your number one receiver? Is it Coleman? My number one receiver is Doxon. Um, and that's partially I, I've always been in love with Doxon's talent. And I think he is going to continue to slowly emerge as that number one uh, there. Um, I think with Coleman, I think tags hit it on the head. I I don't really want to be married to that quarterback situation or really to that team in general. I I don't want to have to watch Browns games. You know, I know that they're going to be trailing (laughs) and they're, that's part of fantasy. I talked about earlier this year, how, you know, not just how well Deshaun Watson was playing, but how fun it was to own Deshaun Watson and get to watch that offense week in and week out. That should be part of this, right? We are doing this for fun, uh, which sometimes I think we can forget, especially us uh, in the industry. But yeah, I I don't want to watch Browns games. I think Coleman is a talent. I think he's good. I'm interested to see what they do when when Josh Gordon comes back later in the season, if he gets back into the offense somehow. Um, You know, just in general, we've seen the odd big game from that Browns uh, receiving core but nothing really consistent. And I'm not confident that it's going to be, even with Corey Coleman coming back, especially with, you know, what we've heard of him in the past. People have questioned his, you know, questioned his toughness, questioned, you know, yeah. whether he was going to emerge as as a good receiver. Um, it, even the, the coaching staff has, has been saying that. So um, I, I'm not overly excited about him. Doxon, I think there's a lot more talent there. Um, I think the only unfortunate thing for Doxon is, is his schedule the rest of the season. When you look at what he's going to have to go up against schedule wise. 
uh, it's going to be really tough. Uh, Washington gets uh, the Saints, who have Marshall, Lat- Marshall Lattimore, uh, the Giants, Janoris Jenkins, uh, you know, and, and that's just the next two weeks. And then you're looking at the fantasy playoffs, the Chargers, the Cardinals, the Broncos. It, it makes Doxon a, a tough guy to really expect to have a blow yeah. up week. And, and that's why I sort of touched on it earlier. I didn't really want to lead the show with this, but I do think it's a, a tough week for, for finding someone who you it really can step in and give you huge production short of who I said is my number one, Burkhead, I really don't expect any of the other guys to step in right away and give huge production. I think you're going to have some, you know, uh, fill-in kind of guys, some repl- replacement-level players, um, and then you're going to have to go after some some upside stashes. But Doxon's a guy who has the talent to be that number one. He's slowly coming on. He's making more plays, um, you know, and he has the kind of talent that can overcome those matchups if it really starts to emerge. Um, I don't think Corey Coleman does. Um, so not overly excited about him. I actually have Coleman as my third. I also I have Marquise Goodwin above him as well. Okay. Yeah, I, I want to ask you this about Corey Coleman. Would you rather start him when he comes back or Marquise Lee? Because I think Marquise Lee's probably a wide receiver three or a flex play every single week. Yeah, he is. I mean, they've both got bad quarterbacks. Uh, Corey Coleman is more talented. Uh, the Browns are going to be in better game scripts to pass. And I almost wonder what Deshaun Kaiser, if, I mean, he's really bad, but part of the reason he's so bad is because he's passing guys like, uh, Kaysen Williams. It's not, it's far from ideal. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say that wide receivers don't matter. I mean, you looked at what happened, Mitch Trubisky, you gave him one NFL caliber wide receiver to throw to this week and Dontrell Inman, who, by the way, is kind of flying under the radar for whatever reason. I do want to talk about him. Uh, but you've seen what happened with Trubisky, just one game with Inman in the lineup as a wide receiver that came from a completely different team, had one week to essentially learn the playbook and walked in and totaled 88 yards, which was the second highest total of a Bears wide receiver this year. So it just goes to show you like what the difference is and what it can make you obviously when you had Corey Coleman on the field for Deshaun Kaiser he looked like a better quarterback but again he's been so inconsistent even going back to the beginning of the year when he looked better and people thought that he might be the franchise quarterback he's someone who makes these throws that you're like wow the arm strength's there and he could fit into these tight windows and it looks really good right I hate nothing more than when I'm watching a broadcast and someone and a quarterback like Deshaun Kaiser throws the ball down down the field 40 yards and they say, wow, he hit that back shoulder throw. I'm like, wait a minute. You're talking about a guy who literally is off on a throw on a cross, like a 15 yard cross across the middle of the field. And then you're going to tell me that he could throw it pinpoint accuracy to a back shoulder of a player. Uh, 50 yards down the field yeah okay like like I don't believe that stuff. I think I think I think there's few quarterbacks in the league that know how to throw a back shoulder throw like Aaron Rodgers is the king of it Tom Brady's able not to do 40 it, yards like, down the field Kurt Warner's the only one that can ever have done that Rodgers and Jordy have that down to a T like Rodgers and Jordy the, the chemistry between those two was like something I appreciated so much even as a Bears fan I can appreciate what those two had uh, that's why you see Jordy struggling so much as he has zero chemistry with Hundley uh, but but going to call but like I said Coleman isn't a, a, a decent addition I probably would pick him up over Dontrell Inman but I have Dontrell Inman as my number three waiver wire pickup at wide receiver um, I would pick him up over Josh Gordon I'd pick him up over Marquise Goodwin I just feel like this is a wide receiver who is by necessity walking into a number one role in the Bears offense and they kind of need him with Zach Miller going down they're asking Adam Shaheen to play a few more snaps Kendall Wright is only playing when they go three wide which is not very often with with how you know, little uh, with how much they run the ball with Jordan Howard. Like, so they're not going three wide all the time. You're not throwing to Josh Bellamy. (laughs) Like there's just so many reasons. Dontrell Inman is going to see eight targets a game by necessity. And they have a, 
a really good schedule coming up. They're playing the Lions this week, which is okay. Um, but then they have the Eagles, then they have the 49ers, uh, they have the Lions again, and then they have the Browns in the championship week. So if you see Dontrell Inman seeing those that many targets every single week, he's probably a player that you could feel confident sticking in your flex or a wide receiver, wide receiver three spot with a high floor. I like Inman fine. I'm just worried like we've seen it once and we've had a couple weeks like this where somebody just jumps in and gets a bunch of targets. Uh, Deontay Thompson comes to my mind and you yeah. think that they're going to get a ton of targets and then they kind of just fall off. And, you know, Inman's good. I think he's better than Thompson, but I can't be excited enough to put him ahead of a Marquise Goodwin. Uh, Justin, did you want to talk about Goodwin before I get into my number two receiver? Sure. I mean, I don't really want to bring the podcast down at all, but we I think we have to mention that, you know, yeah, Goodwin so had a, a terrible, terrible tragedy happen to his family. We found out after the game that uh, him and his wife lost a, a baby uh, to a premature birth uh, hours before the game. Uh, and he still went out and played on on Sunday and ended up catching an 83-yard touchdown. Um, you know, no easy way to transition from that into fantasy talk. But it was amazing to see him score the touchdown. I think everyone was probably a little confused because at the time we didn't know. He sort of seemed like he broke down while celebrating the touchdown. He was down on his knees. He seemed to be praying. And, and um, you know, now we, we know why. Um, but transitioning to fantasy, you know, it, it was his only catch of the game. And that is the kind of player that he is. He is a guy that is going to be able to make big plays. He won't necessarily see a huge amount of targets, but he is the number one receiver there with Pierre Garçon out for the rest right. of the season. And now he's gone over 65 yards in three of his last four games and in four of his last six games, actually. So he's showing a little bit of consistency in, in that spot for someone who, you know, is fairly dependent on making those big plays. Um, you know, the 49ers probably going to be trailing often unless they're playing a team that's completely given up on the season like the Giants. Um, <laughs> and, you know, Goodwin, to my mind, he's worth owning as, you know, uh, somebody who's more of a home run swing as a wide receiver three, somebody who could, you know, if you're going up against a team, say you get to the fantasy playoffs, you're going up against a team that's projected to to beat you uh, significantly. Goodwin's that kind of guy that you put out there and he could throw up that big 150 yard game, catch a couple deep balls, a couple touchdowns. There, th that possibility does exist there. Um, and he has some, some good matchups coming up as well. So yeah, he's a guy that I think to me is at least shown that he can deliver this year, where I think when you look at Coleman or Inman, they're still kind of speculative ads. We, we need to see them come back and, and do it. Um, I'm not willing to just completely commit. I, I'm throwing them on my bench as a, an upside stash in both of those cases, but not a guy that I'm, I'm super excited. Those two aren't guys that I'm super excited to go out and grab this week. Isn't it crazy that this week we've got 13 guys that I'm actually willing to spend fab bucks on? And last week there were zero. I, there was literally nobody that I was willing to spend fat bucks on. Yeah, it's been an ugly couple of weeks. The past two weeks have been really ugly. Um, Marquise Goodwin, I'm rooting for that guy. Like, I don't I don't even for care. Sure. I yep. don't care if he was in the Packers. Don't care. Like, that's that. That's a cool human story. And I'm so happy he got that moment. Now, it, it, and it also needs to be noted that Marquise Goodwin, I have him at number five right behind Josh Gordon, because I think they're in that similar territory where it's like they're an upside play. But Josh Gordon has shown us that he's like a legit wide receiver one you know, in this in this league. But Goodwin, I think it should be noted that if Jimmy Garoppolo is their quarterback once they come out of the bye, he receives a, a big upgrade at the quarterback position going from C.J. Beathard to, you think so? to Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, I do. I, I, okay, I don't think Beathard is very... I, 
I don't think Beathard's very good. Um, I mean, like if you if you watch those games, he's just he's not a good quarterback. Um, he he's a checkdown artist where it's like that's why you've seen Goodwin only have the one catch this week. He's only five foot nine, I want to say. So he is that field stretcher. I wish they had a possession receiver to kind of play opposite him, like a Pierre Garcon. Uh, but he does <laughs> he should receive an upgrade. So he's like that type of guy where it's like if you're if you're if you have an injury to one of your starters, you could throw him in and hope he's got a good matchup. Okay, get ready to make fun of me, everyone listening to the podcast and tags and Justin. My number three pickup of the week, and I'm willing to spend 15 bucks on him, is Josh Gordon. If he's still out there in your league, I've been seeing reports. Okay, he ran a 4.52 at his pro day. Josh Gordon says he's by far the fastest he's ever been. He was clocked at a 4.30 at Brown's practice the other day. The fastest he has ever been, we're talking about someone who had 1,600 yards before. He says his goal is to be the best wide receiver ever. And you don't, when you hear him say that, you don't think, oh, that's ridiculous. It's not like Robbie Anderson saying he can be the best receiver ever. This is someone who has the talent to be the best ever. And so I'm willing to spend money on him in case he happens to be a guy who gets 90 yards in the fantasy playoffs. Well, so Josh Gordon, very talented. Like I, I just said that he like the potentials there. We, we, we know that, but be, be very weary of the players who are coming back from a suspension. Uh, I am very guilty of it myself with Martavis Bryant. I have been unwilling to uh, let go. Um, Do you think Martavis Bryant has completely changed? I mean, I don't want to Josh Gordon. You watch the video. He's a completely different person, man. Well, Martavis is, that's the thing. I looked a lot into Martavis's backstory and like what he, what he did this offseason, how he separated himself from all the people that he used to know and how he worked out for the first time ever. He was running a faster 40. They clocked him. I think it was a high 4-2 or a low 4-3. Like he was crazy fast to begin with. So it's not like, you know, we know Martavis Bryant's fast, but that's the thing is like when you're away from the game for so long, it's going to be, it, it's like a curve to get back into that game shape. And it, again, if there's a player that can do it, it's Josh Gordon, but but I mean, if you can get someone who can contribute for you potentially every single week, like a like a Doxon, like a Coleman, like an Inman, I would take those guys over Gordon. But if you're talking about a guy like Marquise Goodwin or a guy like Kenny Galladay, I would rather take Gordon because I feel like his upside is higher. What I'm saying is the curve to Gordon being the player that Gordon is has him catching 70 yards a game. Uh, the quarterback's still a problem. Let's not pretend it's not. Yeah, the quarterback is still a problem, but I mean, <laughs> he's throwing to freaking Calvin Johnson. It doesn't matter, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be an interesting know. it's going to be an interesting situation to watch uh, down the stretch if the Browns do bring him right back in and put him into the lineup. I think Gordon's a lot more interesting in keeper leagues and dynasty leagues. Mm-hmm. You yeah. grab him there, you see what happens if he gets an offseason under his belt to come back in next year. Obviously, when you're talking about elite talent, he has it. I'm curious, uh, you know, how many people he's hired in, you know, his uh, to to rebuild his image here, really, that that video, that documentary that came out yep. about him. He's saying all the right things. You're getting these reports that, you know, he's faster than ever. It's all great. But we've seen things like this before. We've heard things like this before about other guys. And like Tags yeah. mentioned, to come back from that long of a suspension, it's not even just a suspension, but that long of a suspension, there's not a lot of documented cases of, of guys coming back and producing at an elite level in those situations. So give me all the Josh Gordon I can get in, in Keeper and in Dynasty, 
but I have him as my sixth wide receiver this week. He is a complete dart throw in my mind. I have all the guys we mentioned, and I have Kenny Galladay ahead of him, just because I think Galladay could actually produce, you know, when he's gotten on the field, when he's been healthy, he has actually produced some numbers. He can score touchdowns. You know, I don't think, uh, unless there's an injury, I don't think Galladay is going to step up and be, you know, the the number one receiver for the Lions. But if an injury happens, if Marvin Jones goes down, we could see Galladay do something. And I just think the odds are against Gordon producing this year. But, you know, he's somebody that I really hope uh, for fantasy and for real life. I hope that he can turn it around and get back because another one of those unbelievably exciting players when he was producing, when he came in and and essentially shocked the world with what he did and led the league in receiving, um, that was great for the game. So uh, hopefully next year he can get back to that. Don't really see it happening this season, though. And he was doing that while he was drunk and high. Like, put put a clean Josh Gordon wait, out there. Wait, can we talk about that for a second? Because I, I actually mentioned this on Twitter, and I got a lot of crap for it. Like, some people, like, saying that I was being very unfair to him, and, and it really wasn't meant to be like that. It was a legitimate question. You know how there's, like, certain music artists where they create better when they're under the influence of drugs or alcohol, right? Like, like it's not, let's not pretend that's not a real thing. Like, because it is. There's certain bands that are just more creative. They're better. They feel more at home. I know people in my own like real life that like like when I was in high school, there were kids that I knew that smoked pot and they they basically said that they they, they went to school high and all that stuff where they said that they felt they felt actually better, like more normal when they were under the influence than when they didn't because it just helped them level out or whatever i tend to think that this is a real thing i don't think that if it really did mess him up that he'd be able to post record-breaking seasons like i am of the mindset that getting clean is probably one of the hardest things that josh gordon has ever done in his life and his body has gone through so many changes i'm not going to pretend that all of a sudden it just it makes him better than he was because he was already dominant in this game. I think that's fair to say. I mean, we've seen cases on both sides. Doc Ellis threw a no-hitter on acid, right? (laughs) I mean, Josh Hamilton couldn't do anything, and then he got clean and he was the best player in baseball. So it really could go either way. I mean, I think there's probably a point in Josh Gordon's life where, yeah, he was definitely better using that stuff than not because that's what he was used to. But I think at this point in his life, I I would imagine it's the other way around. For sure. It's a good, it's a really interesting conversation. And that's the thing is I think we can, we should all be able to have these conversations and like, you know, and I think it's a good conversation to have because I, I just think that sometimes people overlook that stuff and dr- drugs are a, they're a fickle thing. They can really affect people in different ways. Now, the only other guy I have in my top 12, and it's not very exciting, but Charles Clay, he's probably going to continue to get targets. He's owned in uh, 46% of leagues. So there's a chance he's available in yours. And if he is, and you need a tight end, I think he's by far the best pickup this week. Well, not overall, but at tight end. Sorry. <laughs> right. Seems like they might have brought him back a little too early. Uh, yeah. When you mm-hmm. looked at what the actual timetable was, I think they would have benefited by giving him another week off. He didn't play a full complement of snaps last week, so the production wasn't really there. Um, but for sure, Clay is definitely the the most talented uh, waiver wire tight end available and a guy who was putting up top five tight end numbers uh, early in the season. So, you know, with Calvin Benjamin there, it might take take a little bit of that upside away from him, but he's still by far, by far the best tight end option available on the waiver wire because I'm not that interested in going and picking up Martellus Bennett. 
Well, yeah, no, Bobby, I wanted to say, keep in mind, I think Charles Clay, yeah, I think you're right on this, obviously, but I think he might even have more appeal than he did before because the Bills defense has all of a sudden become the Bills defense that we expected them to be at the start of the season. They've now allowed uh, 47 points to the Saints, 34 points to the Jets, 27 points to the Bucks, and that's in the last four weeks. So yeah. this is a team that, that's really starting to struggle. You've seen Tyrod Taylor's pass attempts go up when he's not getting benched, and now you have... Nathan Peterman starting and then Sean McDermott came out in the press today and said, you know, I can understand why the, the I, I basically they said, what do you think about the fans calling for Sean, for uh, Nathan Peterman to start? And they said and he said, I can understand why they'd want to say it, why they'd want that. Like what? Like Tyrod Taylor has played like fantastic football <laughs> the entire no season. With no wide like, receivers. He's passing the ball to Zay Jones and Nick O'Leary. Like what the hell is this guy talking about? Like I, I have no idea what, what happened here and why Tyrod Taylor is all of a sudden the scapegoat again. You put you put Tyrod Taylor on the Jags and they've got nine wins right now. Uh, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Like I, I, I have no idea why Tyrod Taylor is like the scapegoat, but he, he doesn't deserve that much hate. He has played great football this entire season like granted he didn't play good um this past week but that's one week to take away from what you've asked him to do is there anyone else you guys would be willing to spend fab bucks on yeah i think there's one very interesting guy and and that's austin eckler um you know 10 carries 42 yards five catches for 77 yards and two receiving touchdowns so you know as the story goes here so melvin gordon did not uh play very well he pretty much got stifled against the jags and yes, and he has been struggling. He's probably playing through some injuries. Um, he's even admitted as much. Um, and, you know, so he wasn't getting anything done. So they they turn it over to Eckler and, you know, he delivered in a big way. He he was gaining yards. He even made a couple of game breaking plays, um, you know, and I think he would have had a chance to be even higher up my list if he didn't, he didn't cough up what was an unthinkable fumble late in that fourth quarter, right? He They really had the game in hand, and he gave it back to them. And Bortles attempted to give it right back by throwing a, <laughs> an idiotic interception. Um, but eventually the Jags managed to, to get it to overtime and, and win the game. So, And once that fumble happened, he didn't see the field again after that. They yep. went back to Gordon completely. So um, I think he's a good handcuff. Um, and I think he could have some fantasy appeal as a flex play, um, you know, based on what the way it's been going here, um, especially obviously in PPR leagues. Um, but if Gordon can't get it going, there's a chance that this could turn into more of a, a split than maybe we ever could have imagined. Yeah. Or they even shut Gordon down. I mean, they're not making the playoffs at this point. And if Gordon's hurt, like why keep running him out here? I want to throw out uh, some props to Melvin Gordon. I saw that game. And after Eckler fumbled, he went up and gave him a big hug, man. Like, you, you know, Gordon is thinking, this guy is coming for my job. He's playing really well. And uh, it was just a, a real good veteran move. Yeah. I, yeah. No, I was saying that Melvin Gordon was a sell before like two weeks ago when we heard about this whole turf toe thing. Anytime you get a foot injury with a running back, it's not good. Like it's very, very, very bad. Like, oh, like overjudge the injury. And uh, Eckler playing the way he has definitely helps his stock. I think it's it's going to be rough to trust him, obviously. But he's a uh, he's definitely a handcuff for Melvin Gordon owners. Yeah, I've got Eckler right outside my uh, people I'd be willing to spend fab on Devonte Booker, Bruce Ellington if if Will Fuller misses some time. Uh, still, Curtis Samuel interests me. Elijah McGuire a little bit. Anybody else for you, Tags? 
Uh, you know, we, I mean, Samaj P. Ryan, we didn't really talk about, but I think that he's going to be in line for a workload for yeah. the next three to four weeks. And honestly, when you look at weeks 15 and 16, it's really bad uh, for the run game in the, in the, in the fantasy playoffs. But up until that point, which is where seems like P. Ryan might play up until, um, it's not really a bad schedule for him. So I, I think he's definitely worthy of, of gra- like paying a few bucks to get him. Um, but yeah, again, Rod Smith, I just, I just want to pound that home just saying that, it's the definition of a guy that could potentially win you a fantasy league. So don't be afraid to go out there and spend some money because we're at the point in the season, Bobby, you know, we've talked about it before is that we don't know if there's going to be another one of these players in the waiver wire ever again. You know, the people that know have upside like Derek Henry and, you know, Tevin Coleman, those guys are owned, but someone like Rod Smith who could deliver for you potentially as an RB one. Is this like the awakening? <laughs> I'm not going. I'm not. I am not going to Christine Michael territory. This is not happening. Um, if Rod Smith had been touted like five seasons in a row and hadn't happened, yeah, maybe. But uh, <laughs> Rod Smith. Rod Smith. I do want to say that I watched every single Cowboys snap this preseason, and Rod Smith looked really, really good. Who looked better, him or Bryce Butler? Uh, Bryce Butler should have been starting over Terrence. He's Williams, awesome. I stand isn't he? by that. He's really good. Yeah, he agreed. He yeah. makes well. He he does make some bonehead drops. Like he seems to make all the like the fantastic fantastic catches and like oh by the way we didn't even mention that redskins uh what was his name on the redskins harris uh oh that first name play right was awesome man maurice you, maurice he, harris i believe maurice harris yes and if you go if you haven't seen that touchdown like go back and just type in maurice harris in youtube and that's the only highlight that'll probably come up because like nobody knew who this guy was but he played more snaps than terrell Pryor. <laughs> was that okay I, I'm no hyperbole here was that catch better than odell beckham's catch um I, I wouldn't probably go there just because the length of Beckham's t- touchdown and what it was, how hard it is to catch a ball c- going at that trajectory that fast. Like, that's why that catch was so special. Um, but it it was right up there, man. It was phenomenal. Sterling Shepard made a great catch this weekend, too, along the sideline. It was a one arm catch like these. These athletes are crazy, man. Yeah, and uh, D.D. Westbrook is coming back soon. Um, I'm still excited about him. Is that who you were going to say? I was going to mention Westbrook, but I was actually going to go the other way with it. I was going to mention Westbrook as somebody that I think we should maybe throw a little bit of cold water on. He hasn't been able to. They haven't activated him. They haven't brought him back into that lineup. And, uh, you know, are we really trusting the Jags passing game? Are we really trusting Bortles to be able, you know, Westbrook's a guy who could probably have a couple highlight plays. And like we're talking some great catches, you know, he could probably break a break a tackle here or there and and pick up some yards. But as a guy that I'm going to trust in my lineup as a guy who I think is going to come in and become a consistent fantasy starter down the stretch. I'm not that excited. I I'm think he's you. more of a, a highlight real player and somebody that I think people maybe rushed out to pick up the last couple of weeks a, a little too quickly. I've got him as my number seven receiver. So same kind of thing. Like I probably wouldn't play him, but I'm picking him up now so I don't have to spend 60 fat bucks on him later in case he goes off. Yeah, I have him at number eight. Um, so I'm I'm with you guys to the most part, but in t- in, but we might hear something we heard earlier today that they said they are going to activate him. He's going to be ready to go this week. So that news came like legitimately right when we started the podcast. So that's something. But th- what it comes down to is Alan Hearns. Alan Hearns, if you miss that, that was a total team player move. Like he got hurt on one of his routes. It's his knee. And it looked like it was pretty like it looked like he was in a lot of pain. Yeah. He crawled to the sideline knowing that they didn't have a timeout to give. He saved the game, man. He, he did. He crawled out of bounds and the, he he left the stadium in a walking boot and crutches. So it's very possible that Alan Hearns does not play this game. And if Alan Hearns doesn't play, Keelan Cole and uh, D.D. Westbrook are the ones that are going to step up and play those snaps. 
Um, so Keelan Cole had three targets in the end zone last game. He uh, they they just keep trying to feed it to him there, man. Yeah, and if if Alan Hearns misses this game, Keelan Cole is going to be like a wide receiver four in my rankings. I think. Me too. Uh, whereas Westbrook, it's hard to play him in his first NFL game, like regular season game. So Keelan Cole is someone that you can keep an eye on. If you know, you don't need to spend anything on the waiver wire, but if if you find out that you need a wide receiver. Pick him up. He, you could definitely do worse. All right, guys, we're going to do a lightning round here. These are players who are owned in more than 50% of leagues. But if they're available in your league, how much fab are you willing to spend? We'll just get the dollar values from uh, from both you guys here. Uh, the first one I want to say, Jamison Crowder. Um, I don't like their passing game schedule. So, I mean, I don't think you need to go overboard with him. I mean, uh, uh, 10% maybe. Okay. I would probably go up to 20 on that. When, when he's played and in, in, in recent weeks when he seems to be maybe a little healthier, they're giving him a lot of opportunity. And it, even in some of those tougher passing matchups, I could see him doing something in the short passing game um, where I think those tough passing matchups could affect the the deeper game with, with Doxon a, a little bit more. Yeah, I'm with you guys. Right about 10% from me. Um, Kenyon Drake. Um, this week, I mean, we're recording this on Monday during the day. Um, this game tonight, I don't like him in Carolina is super stiff against the run, yeah. but I do like him going forward is like that. Like, I think he's like a high end RB three, low end RB two for the remainder of the season. So he's someone that I'd be willing to spend my fab budget on. Like if you're sitting there, you know, with 30 bucks left, spend it. Why not? I agree. Um, yeah, that's how I feel about him. I think he's like an every week player. And Tampa has been the worst in the NFL against the run over the last four weeks. So uh, I'd be really excited about that week 11 matchup too. There you go. I, I agree. I would spend a, a decent amount on him. Even if he can't get it going in the running game some weeks, they're going to they're gonna throw it to him. They're, gonna, they're going to need to, those backs to do something. They're going to use them now. They aren't just going to run them directly into the line like they were doing with Ajayi. So um, <laughs> I, I think he's worth spending a, a, a decent amount of your your because you know what you're getting. You got to see it last Last week. Now, don't want to play him this week, and you probably didn't, hopefully. And then you're looking at a buy next week. But there's some better matchups. They get New England a couple times, and I would imagine he's he's going to be able to do something in those games. And Jeremy Macklin owned in just 58% of leagues. He's on the buy, so a lot of people dropped him. Uh, I love Macklin. Um, this week, his matchup is really good. I don't know. I don't know why people continue to hate on Jeremy Macklin because he's been someone who's delivered. They're playing the Packers and the Packers this week uh, have resorted to putting Demarius Randall inside their slot because they really don't have a choice. Um, he's not. He was a perimeter cornerback that was struggling there. So they put him in the slot because they just kind of need a body there. And he has struggled out of the slot. Jeremy Macklin, that's where he plays about 70 percent of his snaps uh, since taking over in the slot. Demarius Randall has allowed 116 yards and a touchdown on 13 targets. So uh, Macklin. Macklin is a strong wide receiver three this week. I think he's a wide receiver three every week, honestly. Um, so, I mean, for me, I, I think he's worth 20%. 20%, that's where I have him. What about you? I would probably go even higher, like up to 40%. If you're a team that has championship aspirations for fantasy this year, Macklin gets the Browns and the Colts later Ooh. in the season in the weeks 15 and 16. So if you're looking hey. to go to a title game, he is a guy who you could me, Justin. produce down the stretch there. Yeah, I mean, you just, I don't know, maybe I'd be willing to spend all my fab considering that. That's <laughs> that's seriously really exciting. Mm-hmm. That's the tough thing at this point in the year, right? Like with everyone spent at some point, they've spent a little bit of fab money over the year. And now we really don't know what everyone has, the situation everyone's in. So it's more just, you know, is it a guy that you're willing to go out and invest big in? I think Macklin's a guy that you should invest big in, depending what you have, you know, that that's going to make a difference for what you're actually going to be able to bid on him. Yeah. 
All right, Greg Olson. Oh, all of it. Me too. Yeah, I mean, once again, depends on your tight end situation. If you're a guy who has, you know, Gronk or Kelsey, you probably don't need to spend it all. Yeah. You might have to, you know, put those resources into another I don't know, position. I still but, you could flex but, him. For example. Yeah, I, I agree. Well, I, for example, in one league, in one of my PPR leagues, I have Gronk and I picked up Olsen in, in part just to block. I, I don't want one of the other owners to be able to use him against me during the down yeah. the stretch, during the fantasy playoffs. So I went and picked him up, whether I play him in my flex or whether I just keep him on my bench. Sometimes if you have enough bench spots, you got to play defense a little bit like that as well. And you never know if Gronk's going to get hurt either. So it doesn't hurt to have someone like Greg Olsen sitting also on your bench. Also true. Also true. No. For sure. And it, by the way, by the way, I just want to mention, Bobby, I don't know if we were going to do the buy or sell segment today no. because like obviously most most trade deadlines have passed. But if for whatever reason you are able to trade right now, I say sell Devin Funches with with Greg with Greg Olson on the verge of coming back. See what you can get. His target share was going to be massive without Olson, without Kelvin Benjamin. Uh, of course, it's going to be when you have Curtis Samuel and Russell Shepard as the other <laughs> wide receivers in the team. Um, knowing the relationship that Newton and Olson have had, I expect. Uh, Devin Funches to come down into that wide receiver three territory rather than the wide receiver two. Some people view him as I just think I wanted to mention that I know that they're playing tonight. But yeah, I think that's fair. I like that idea a lot. All right, guys, two more. Marquise Lee. Is he is he better than Jeremy Macklin the rest of the season? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I'd rather have Macklin. Uh, but I do think Marquise Lee is worthy of a pickup for sure. Um, did, did you see the possession that the Jags had? I think they went 11 plays zero runs they threw the ball 11 straight times with Bortles <laughs> they weren't smart that game by the way I watched a lot of that game and that game reminded me of 2015 and 2016 Jaguar football oh it was ugly man it was so bad I can't believe they won it yeah it, they didn't deserve to win it <laughs> Mark Easley made a bonehead penalty too it was I, funny I, I was laughing really hard he was dancing right in the guy's <laughs> face because he just got blasted man it was such a cheap hit but they won, so I would have been mad if they lost. Yeah. But yeah, he's a, he's like a wide receiver three basically every single week. Can't pay attention to what happened to Alan Hearns, yeah. knowing what's, what his injury is. We don't know that, but uh, Marquise Lee is definitely, he's right. He's a tier below Macklin, but he's really close. I 100% agree there. All right, guys. Last one, David Johnson. Wow. What do you think, Justin? I have not invested anything to try to pick up David Johnson or get David Johnson. I am I find it really unlikely that he is going to come back this season for some reason. It is possible. Um, so if you have the bench space, go for it. I, I don't know that you're really going to have to be fighting against other owners. If he's not owned at this point and he's still on your waiver wire, one dollar. You probably don't have to spend much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you probably don't have to spend much to get him. Um, if you have a deep bench and now you're through your bye weeks, toss him at the end of the bench if you really want to, but I'm not doing it. I don't expect that he is going to come back later in the season. Do you guys feel any differently? I mean, if he comes back, what are they going to do? Give him 25 carries? Or are they going to take it easy on him? He um he just posted a video like while we were recording. So I have Twitter open for alerts and all that stuff. But he posted a video saying happy day. His wrist ain't moving like and all this and that. So he posted a video of his wrist and that he's able to start moving it now. And uh, he's stated all along that he's wanted to come back. The Seattle Seahawks are not the team that they once were. I mean, that playoff race outside of the Rams, the people they're still saying that the Bears are in the playoff hunt for the NFC. That's just how bad the NFC is. So, I mean, I think David Johnson legitimately has a shot to come back. So I think he's worth, I mean, like you said, if he's still there, it's likely that nobody's going to spend a whole lot of money to get him. But I mean, to spend like 10 bucks a year fab to get him, I I'm not opposed to that. Okay. All right, guys. Well, that's all for today's show. Justin, we really appreciate you coming on again. It was fun. Yeah, always enjoy it. And uh, I'll be back whenever you guys ask me to.
And for those of you listening at home, we've got two more shows coming up this week. We've got our Start Sit Show, and you guys can send in questions to mailbag at fantasypros.com or hit us up on Twitter at Mike Teglier NFL and at Bobby Fantasy Pro. And we've got our DFS show coming up later in the week. And thanks to the sponsor of today's show, lisa.com slash fantasypros for $100 off your mattress order and SeatGeek. Download their app now and enter the promo code FANTASYPROS for $20 off your first ticket purchase. For Mike Tagliere, I'm Bobby Sylvester. Thanks for listening and enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve.